Drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? The photographs of Nan Golden bear witness to the communities that she's been a part of, providing a loving tribute to those around her and also scandalising those who would rather ignore the truths that she presents. It's work that's been collected by many of the world's great museums, but more recently, Nan has turned her gaze on those very museums, campaigning to have the Sackler name removed from their walls and collections because of the family's involvement with OxyContin and the opioid crisis. Documentary maker Laura Poitras takes audiences into Nan's campaign, her life and her career in the new film All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Laura Poitras, welcome to RN Drive. Hi, thank you so much. Uh, it's great to be here. At the start of this film, Nan says that, and I quote, it's easy to make your life into a story, but it's harder to sustain real memories and that mm -hmm. the real memories don't have simple endings. That strikes me as an interesting concept and challenge for a documentary maker such as yourself. Yeah, and, um, thank you for, for asking that question. I mean, yeah, it was, I mean, and I agree with what Nan is saying. I mean, the the danger of any story or any um, uh, film is you make it easy for the audience that they can walk away and feel that it's been resolved. And so with this film and any, every film I've made, I've always tried to make the, the issues kind of urgent and continuing beyond the frame, you know, but, uh, but it was also this balance because what's alive about a film is the, it's not the neat endings, right? What's alive is the messiness and the complications. And so what she's saying is something she and I would talk about a lot in both of our works uh, about how we want it to be, to, to for, for have the audience a bit implicated in the, in the narrative. Laura Poitras, this is a movie about the campaign to remove the Sackler's name from galleries and the impact of the opioid crisis that they very much had a big part in. But even more than that, it's a movie about Nan. So what was your mm -hmm. entry point to this story? When did you first become aware of Nan? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, um, I first became aware of Nan when I was studying filmmaking. So in the late 80s, I was um, studying filmmaking and uh, her work was already, you know, kind of uh, breaking through into um, uh, museum spaces. And I was, you know, blown away um, by its qualities of cinematic qualities, intimacy, the rawness, the the kind of what it says about relationships and gender and queer identity. So all those things were really um, influential for me as, as I was um, beginning filmmaking. Um, but it wasn't until I didn't meet her until much later. And then it, it was her decision to to do these um, actions, these protests against the Sackler family that made me think I might be the right filmmaker for it. You know, like uh, I don't my, my body of work is about often um, uh, people exposing wrongdoing, injustice um, and taking on powerful forces, particularly in the context of the U.S. So this felt sort of similar. So that was my way in. But as you say, the film is about much more than just the Sacklers and, and the opioid crisis. And in fact, that's maybe just only one of you know many, many different layers. Um, but it, it reminded me of, you know, the, I mean, I made a, um, a film um, about Julian Assange and, uh, you know, again, somebody who is taking risks to expose, you know, wrongdoing in the in the U.S. And um, and then Nan using her influence in the art world to, you know, ask museums to 
look closely at where their money is from. Uh, I should say I'm in New York City, and so this is um, yeah, that was a siren on the street. So <laughs> hopefully not an emergency this time. Uh, you do have these different aspects in terms of the storytelling tools available in this film. There's the person, the cause, the journalism. Mm -hmm. It is often easy to to sort of assert that the person is what they do, um, but, mm -hmm. but often at times it's more than that. So how do you how do you balance those those things? Yeah, you know, I mean, many of my films I are in the tradition of documentary that's sort of called observational, where you're sort of following events as they unfold in real time. And so that falls in the category of what people do, you know, not, well, not what they say that they're about, or what they believe in, but what do they actually do? And for me, this is like an anchor to all of my work. It's, you know, Edward Snowden took enormous risks to expose um, NSA or, again, Assange and, uh, and, and WikiLeaks and here Nan, you know, doing these protests. So I'm, I'm really interested in showing people in action um, because, and it's also the heart of drama, right? I mean, most dramas unfold, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next. Um, and, you know, but this film has a different kind of layers um, than my previous films. I mean, it has this kind of biographical biographical element of, of Nan's story and, um, and her sort of coming of age as an artist. And, and that was possible really because I was making um, this is a film that's made, you know, very much in collaboration with Nan. She shared, she has a body of work that she's been making work about her life. So we could go back into her teenage years and she had the photographs we could draw upon to sort of talk about how she first got a camera um, and how that gave her a voice. And it's not just her saying it with her, you know, through the interview, but we see the photographs, we see those sort of her first images. And that's just extraordinary and rare because most people you make films about don't have a body of work that documents every phase of their life with art you know so it was pretty amazing to to make yeah. this with man she she says um that she took pictures because they're a form of proof and that she had a mm -hmm. childhood of lies and silence what was your impression mm -hmm. of her early years yeah, I mean, I think that sort of says it all. I mean, she, you know, she really is fighting against societal, um, like, denialism and the kind of repression, right? And it, it, in the film, you learn early on that she loses her sister to suicide at a very young age. And, you know, it's really tragic. I mean, she, her sister was, like, young and rebellious and sexual at a time in the in the United States in the 50s where like those things you know were a problem and she was put in an institution and and tragically um killed herself and and I think Nan has always has been fighting against those kinds of the lies of society or the or the forces of society that you know destroy people and uh and sort of breaking out from from those so I I think that that's you know the the main you know by taking photographs she she tells the truth that the society is trying to deny and or society, or sometimes it's the family, you know, that embodies a society. One of the people in the film says she photographs from our side. What do you think that meant in, in the sort of context of, of her generation, if you like? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's really beautiful about Nan's practice as, as a photographer and as an artist, she makes work, that's about her life and that it's the people who she photographs, they're not strangers she meets on the streets or she goes someplace, you know, but she's, it's her lovers, it's her friends, it's her roommates. And, and she really gives them also a kind of agency in that, you know? So the quote that you're saying is um, a great uh, writer, Daryl, Daryl Pinkney, who is a close friend and is a close friend of Nan's and who has also been photographed by Nan. And, and so knows that, you know, that when she films, like it's, it's part of, 
you know, this is somebody who like, she's, she's part of every, you know, environment that she's filming. She's not an outsider. She's not a voyeur, you know, she, she would joke, you know, about being like, it's not like I came, you know, I, I, I crashed the party. The party was mine, you know, and, you know, people would, would come to her house and she would, you know, she photographed them and, or she's told me separately, like not so much in the film, but she doesn't believe in street photography. She doesn't want to film strangers. She wants to film the people that, that um, are close to her. There's a part in this uh, film where she goes into uh, her personal life that hasn't really been told publicly before. I mean, I, I don't want to sort of get into how much work went into the relationship beforehand. I think that diminishes the product. But, I mean, it certainly reveals the intimacy that you do, you do have with, with Nan. Sure, yeah. And I, I mean, I know what you're referring to. And, you know, it also shows that, I mean, Nan... Um, she felt that, that it was in everything that's in the film, you know, she, you know, we talked about and, and when, when she first, I mean, in the instance of, of sex work, she, she, we first talked and she said, I'm not sure that, you know, that I'm want to include this. And then after she reflected on it, she said, no, 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 it's important. And it's important because there's so much stigma and she wants to sort of reduce the stigma around these issues. She wants to reduce stigma around also drug use and, and many other things in the film and, and redirect where um, shame is placed, right? You know, like society likes to blame people who are victims, the vulnerable, right? And and she's trying very hard in her art and in her politics to say, no, we actually, like the shame belongs on the government's failure. The shame belongs on the Sackler family. You know, it's 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 not on the, the people who are suffering. Acclaimed documentary director Laura Poitras is my guest on RN Drive. We're talking about her latest film, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. And of course, Nan's campaign against the Sacklers wasn't theoretical. She had her own relationship with Oxy, didn't she? Yeah, that's right. Um, she um, it, she became she was prescribed OxyContin and um, for for surgery, and she she became addicted. And when she came out of recovery, one of the first things she encountered was an article in the New Yorker by Patrick Radden Keefe, a uh, renowned writer. And it was wonderful writer. Yeah, um, he really, really, really did such, aim yeah. aim attention at the Sacklers and their mm-hmm. uh, relationship and what was uh, so hidden about their wealth and their influence as yeah. well. Exactly. It's an amazing piece of writing. So he sort of lifts the veils. And Nan knew the Sackler name, but she didn't know it from OxyContin, which is a drug she had a direct experience with. She knew it from the museum walls, that it's the wings at the Met, at the Louvre, and then the Tate and the National Portrait Gallery. I mean, their name was everywhere in museums. Um, and as soon as she read this, she was, I, I mean, you know, this is something about Nan that she's she's really driven by like instinct. And she's like, I need to take them on. I need to bring down this family, you know, which is not what most um, artists, you know, if her stature are, you know, devoting years of their life to. And uh, and it's pretty remarkable. Um, and in, in terms of like her direct experience with OxyContin, yeah, she talks about it. And she wrote this this incredible essay in, uh, that was published in Artform where she's, you know, very directly talking about the experience of, of, of Oxy and what it does to you and, and the difficulty of, of withdrawal from this drug. And she, you know, she uses her, the, her authority both as an artist who claims these museums as her own, you know, and then also to say, like, I know what this drug does, and this is a dangerous drug. If it's, it, you know, not that it doesn't have a place in, in, you know, people in a medical context, but, you know, what 
what the Sacklers had done is really um, false advertising, you know, claiming it wasn't addictive, having it being prescribed for minor injuries, et cetera. That was really the crime here. The drug isn't the, the, the crime. The crime is how it was marketed. Yeah, and the uh, prescription practices uh, amongst doctors mm-hmm. influenced by the company. Nan Golden uh, had her own relationship with the galleries, and she's in the permanent collection of many of these institutions. So was she mm-hmm. putting herself o- on the line by taking on this campaign? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, it's, you know, this is, she's an artist and she wants to have her work shown in galleries and, and, and in museums. And so she's, she risked all those relationships, of course, you know, but I don't think she really thought about that. I mean, you know, I, I think she felt that she needed to do something, but the risks were real. There, there are reputational risks in terms of her career. And then also, you know, billionaire families have a lot of tools, you know, and so, you know, they've got an army of lawyers, they've got private investigators who we, you know, we meet a couple of them in the film and um, that, that start to follow them, you know, so I, I, there were risks that that, um, that Nan took on and, uh, you know, to her credit, um, not only did she, you know, not let those fears um, deter her, but the, the, most of the museums have now come around, you know, that, which is kind of remarkable. Yeah, that sort of activism that Nan's group was using sort of seems inspired by ACT UP and the campaigns around mm-hmm. AIDS, it seems like. The other thing as well is that uh, that really stood out during this film was the number of police at these relatively small actions. What did you make of the way these activists were treated? Well, yeah, I mean, it's sort of common, you know, in the United the context of the United States that, you know, uh, anybody who sort of engages in protest, you know, the police are, are going to show up and you're probably going to be surveilled and, you know, you might end up on some lists, you know, and it's kind of, you know, par for the course. But, you know, I, I, I what, in, and you're right that it was um, ACT UP that was really the sort of role model for the work that Nan did, her organization, which is called PAIN, which stands for Prescription Addiction Intervention Now, really it learned from this kind of like, you know, we're not, you know, this, I mean, they're, um, I guess you would say, you know, they're known for the the saying, you know, silence equals death. And that was, you know, related to the AIDS crisis. Like if we do nothing, we die, we're dying and we have to do something. And I think that's kind of, you know, silence equals death also embodies um, Nan's decision to to take these risks. Just lastly, I do want to ask you about the power of reputation. And I suppose this is a double-edged question because really mm-hmm. uh, with Nan, it was sort of her reputation that really put the power in the campaign to remove the Sackler's name from galleries. But also it's very much tied up in what you do and the access that you get in your work and how that creates an impression of your subjects. Just a, yeah, a thought from your, on the power of reputation here. Well, I mean, interesting. I mean, uh, you know, uh, it's interesting that we're speaking, you know, in the context of, um, you know, this is uh, Australia. And um, I, I just, I, I would be wrong to not talk about this, this is the case of Julian Assange right now, right? I mean, you know, he's currently, the US is trying to um, extradite him and put him in prison for the rest of his life. And I'm not sure if this is really your question where you're going with it, but it's um, it's something I feel like it's important to say, like we that, you know, I, I do hope the media there like really puts up a fight because, you know, this is really, I think, um, a threat to press freedom globally. And um, and I think we all need to stand up for for this, um, for Julian's freedom. And uh, because it's a really terrifying precedent if if he were to be um, extradited to the United States. And so I'm not sure if that's where you're going with with the question around reputation. But um, but I do feel that, you know, the, the work that I do is um, 
yeah, it gives me a platform and, and I want to make sure that I um, make use of it. And certainly we've had some unprecedented uh, commentary from the uh, incumbent Labor government in this country mm-hmm. to support uh, perhaps some more intervention about Julian Assange's case. I know it's something very close to your heart. Look, it's been great to have some time with you, Laura. Congratulations on this new work and thanks for being my Thank guest. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All the Beauty Thank and the so Bloodshed, much. directed by Laura Poitras, is in cinemas from the 9th of March. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.